0: It's time now for Illinois Innovators, spotlighting the leaders in research, technology, and entrepreneurship from the engineering at Illinois community.
1: Welcome to another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Today, we introduce you to Inventables. Founded by Zach Kaplan, Inventables is a 3D carving company that is helping ignite a revolution in digital fabrication. They're helping others start companies by using their products, which include powerful machines, software, and materials. The CEO of Inventables, Zach received a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign and is in his second tech startup. He is a founding venture partner with Corazon Capital and a member of the Board of Directors for M-Hub, Chicago's first innovation center focused on physical development and manufacturing. Zach Kaplan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, first off, uh, we've heard a lot about 3D printing. Uh, This is, uh, I think, a a much different spin on it, Uh, 3D carving. Talk about the the process and and how you uh, chose to pursue uh, uh, Inventables, which is a 3D carving company.
0: Yeah, so the the process for carving is sometimes called subtractive or sometimes called CNC milling. But basically the the way it works is you start with a piece of material and then there's a, a spinning milling bit that carves away the design. So you're just left with what uh, your part is.
1: Okay. So talk a little bit about um, what you're doing for companies. Cause I know that that is your focus. Um, there's a lot of, uh, small businesses out there that are looking to to make jewelry and, and other products and I, I look through your website and there's, a, there's an amazing amount of products that uh, uh, companies that have used your uh, Software and, and uh, your hardware have, have built talk about what the goal is and the kind of uh, companies that you're helping grow Absolutely.
0: Yeah So our vision is to ignite a new product revolution by bringing manufacturing capability into the hands of millions of people and when we think about how we're gonna do that, we think about our mission. And our mission is to build accessible tools that to help people generate income from their work. And so traditionally, uh, CNC machines, 3D carving machines, 3D printers, they were most manufacturing technology is hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars when it's being used in a, in a production environment. What we did is we, we sort of sort of broke apart that word accessibility, and we think about it as one cost: how much does the thing cost? And two complexity: how easy is it for someone to use who may not have a degree from the University of Illinois in mechanical engineering or uh, experience operating uh, a very expensive CAD CAM machine control software package? And so, what we did is we created a software called Easel which combines CAD, CAM, and machine control into one piece of software that's about as easy to use as something like PowerPoint or social media. So um, we also took it from the desktop and put it into the web. So you can go to easel.com and check it out. And so anyone who is computer literate can now manufacture something uh, using 3D carving technology. The the kinds of customers that we're seeing start businesses. Some of them actually are starting businesses. Others they're just enhancing a business. So it could be a carpenter or a sign maker or a guitar maker or jewelry maker, like you mentioned. Um, typically, most of our customers have between one and five employees, um, but we're starting to get customers who have twenty five to one hundred employees, and even we've got. A dozen uh, multi-billion-dollar companies where their the engineering departments are using
1: it. So, talk about your products. You mentioned Easel and um, how easy it is to use. Uh, can you expand on that? And um, you know the the things that you offer in terms of training and and uh, getting people up to speed.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, a- anyone listening to this can actually go try it for free if you go to easel.com. dot com. But um, the user interface is is very easy to use. So you can get started. You can you can design your own um, part. You could import. So if you use a, a program like a, another CAD program, you can import a DXF file. And if you're an expert and you have your own CAD and CAM program, you can also import G code. So we make it as easy as possible for whatever level of sophistication you're at. Um, but you can you can your designer can import your design and then. You'd, all you have to do is click the carve button, plug the USB cord into the, the computer, into the machine, and the machine starts carving. So it's a, a printing-like experience
1: um, that is new to the, the carving world. So you supply all the materials, correct? Uh, w- yeah. what, w- give us an, an idea of the, the array of materials that you have available. So you, you can use
0: woods, plastics, soft metals like aluminum or brass or copper. Um, and we have all of them on our website. We have some more esoteric materials. Uh, we have like a, a two color material where it kind of looks like an Oreo cookie and you can do your design. So say you were making like a sign, the, you, you can set it in the software to just machine off the top layer, which reveals the middle layer with your, your letters or your text or your design.
1: Okay. And then, um, you mentioned the machine uh, will kind of expand on, on the actual machine. It, it looks uh, maybe a little like uh, you would see in a, in a 3D printer.
0: Yeah. So the machine is called the X-Carve and uh, the most popular one when we sell is it's the thousand millimeters is the footprint. So it's it's got about 30 inches by 30 inches by two and a half inches of a work envelope. Um, and... It fits on, you know, like a workbench or a table. And uh, that's the one where you can do woods, plastics, metals. Um, And you you can buy materials from us. You can also buy them from like a home center or, you know, any, or, or, you know, use any kind of material you have in your shop.
1: Okay. What about, talk a little bit about cost. If I want to, I'm a startup, what's the cost to me? Yeah. So the, um, the machine
0: is about 150 bucks, sorry, 1,500 bucks, but we will uh, do a monthly payment plan so you can get it for between 130 and 150 depending on your configuration, a month if you want. And the software is 20 bucks a month.
1: Okay, and how about the, what kind of support do you have for the software?
0: Yeah, so we have five people in our uh, customer success group. They're here Monday through Friday, uh, nine to five currently. And uh, th- they can do phone calls, email, and they'll also do like, uh, like a video chat um, in terms of support. We also have uh, a whole bunch of videos on our site called Easel Live. And they, they will teach you how to use Easel step-by-step. We even have one uh, that says, it's like get started with Easel in two minutes, I believe. Is the okay. Title. So you can watch that, I, I mean, anybody can watch that. It's, it's just a YouTube video. Um, if you go on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com
1: slash inventables and you can see all the different videos. So give me an idea of the types of companies that you're dealing with. Um, you mentioned that you're starting to deal with larger companies. What what are the, some of the things that they are making? What are some of the maybe unusual things that you've seen uh, being able to be made through the inventables uh, software and, and the machine?
0: Yeah, so the most common um, thing that I see uh businesses making our signs. I think signs probably, um, it, it's a very large market. There's just tons of signs that need to be made every year. And uh, signs are something that are typically done in lower volume. Um, you know, even if you're making 50 or 100 signs, it's, it's not something that you would outsource to, you know, a company in China. Um, so there, there's a, just a, a huge demand for sign making. Also, we see a lot of people making furniture. Um, doing store build-outs uh, We recently have gotten a bunch of companies to do flooring so uh, Like custom wood floors for your house, and then uh, they're making the like the vents okay. Custom vents that are out of the the custom wood that they're doing the floor in. so it matches as opposed to getting the cheap Metal ones that you might see at a home center um, But yeah, it's a pretty big range at the You know at, at the enterprise level We're seeing, you know, defense contractors or other um, large enterprises where they they do some sort of manufacturing. It's typically the engineering department that's buying our machine, and they're using it either for prototyping or for short, very small production runs that they don't want to send out either to their machine shop or their manufacturing floor.
1: So give us an idea of the size of uh, the Inventables company. Uh, How many customers do you have? What's the size of your team?
0: Yeah, so our team uh, is about 45 people here in Chicago. And um, in terms of customers, we've got uh, just over 100,000 users of the Easel software. And uh, we've got about um, just, just under 100,000 people who have bought something from our site.
1: Okay, so um, I, w- I want to back up a little bit and just talk about your background. Um, yeah from from the University of Illinois um, and you I think were there kind of at the beginning of the uh, COSAD new venture challenge um, and the, the technology entrepreneur Center yeah what 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 uh, what mindset did you have did you have uh, an idea that you were going to be an entrepreneur from the beginning or is that something that you kind of discovered when you were at Illinois
0: Yeah, when I was in high school, I think it was like sophomore year, I actually asked my parents if I could drop out of high school and start my own company. (laughs) I I remember my mom asked, okay, what kind of company? And I said, I don't know, I'll figure that out. And she said, how about you go back to high school?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this was something that was kind of on your mind for the beginning, how, when you came to Illinois, what resources were available to you? How, do, how were you able to mix your degree in mechanical engineering with this ambition to start a company?
0: Yeah, so I remember I kept going back and forth should I do business or should I do engineering? Because I, I knew I wanted to start a business that had some sort of engineering component to it. I actually got exposed to digital manufacturing in high school. Um, and that is what inspired me to go to U of I and do mechanical engineering. But I decided. That if I, if I did mechanical engineering in college, I could always do business later. But if I did business in college, it would be much harder to do mechanical engineering. Right. So I, I went the route of, you know, doing mechanical engineering. And uh, I, I don't know if COSAC came out my freshman year or maybe junior year. I think it was junior year. Um, but at the same time, the other thing that came out was the TEC, which was the Technology Entrepreneurship Center. Right. So I think that that was junior year, sophomore, junior year. I can't remember the exact what year it was, but it was uh, professor Ray price who was getting it going. And so I was in the first class of students that, uh, got involved in that. And what year are we talking? It was probably either 1999
1: or 2000, right? Right around there. Okay. And then, uh, you got involved, you know, pretty much right away. What was your, uh, what did you do right out of uh, graduate after you graduated?
0: Well, yeah, so the, the number one thing that they did that like stands out in my mind is they would bring entrepreneurs who had gone to the University of Illinois back in to speak to, I was actually in a class through, uh, it was called general engineering where they had entrepreneurship. And then, but they would also bring the same speaker back to speak to like the after, like the extracurricular club. And I went to like literally every one of those including if the same person would come back twice, I would also go and listen to them again, <laughs> to hear the story again. Because I, I was just soaking up like every, any person who would talk to me about all of this stuff. Okay. And then I went to the COSEG competition. Um, I don't think I had an idea of what I was going to pitch, but I just wanted to kind of like check it out and meet people. And I actually met um, a, a person who became the co-founder of my first company. And we started... Uh, essentially, it, it, the company was called Leverworks, and we started doing uh, custom software development um, in PHP. And our first, our, our biggest customer was actually in Urbana, it was a company called Flexingate, and they make bumpers. Right. And then that company got bought by another Urbana company called Leo Media in uh, December of 2001.
1: So, approximately six months after I had graduated. So you started this company, and then the company was was bought out, and so you you had some capital then to to start the next one. Exactly.
0: So I tried to figure out what was it that I wanted to do. Um, you know, we were probably working fifteen to eighteen hour days, barely sleeping, and had just graduated, super pumped to like get going in entrepreneurship and starting companies. And we were thinking, like, okay, if we're working this hard, we should really work on something that we're like super passionate about. Um, And so we went through a process of prototyping different businesses and uh, Inventables was the one that we ended up going with. And
1: uh, what year did you start Inventables? Started in 2002. Okay. So how, how is this evolved? Because we we think about technology 17 years ago. It certainly has evolved. Uh, I know that, I think at the beginning, your focus was on schools and and that sort of thing. And it's kind of evolved into really helping start up businesses. So just talk about how the company has evolved in the last 17 years. Yeah. So from
0: 2002 to about 2010, we were were working with the product development groups in Fortune 500 companies. So uh, our customers were companies like Nike and Black & Decker and Procter & Gamble and specifically we were doing research on uh, new materials that they could use in their products and uh, in you know 08-09-2010 time frame there was a bunch of trends that started happening that uh, prompted us to change our focus from fortune 500 companies to um, basically anyone with ambition to manufacture a product and so some of those things were the, the first million dollar Kickstarter happened. And that was done by a guy named Scott Wilson. He was actually our customer at Nike. He ran, Scott ran the Nike Timing and Tech Lab. And um, when I saw that he had done a Kickstarter, his Kickstarter was for the watch band for the iPod Nano. So it effectively made the first Apple Watch. And he did a million dollars in pre-orders for just the band. I remember sitting in my chair thinking, like, "Wow, like Scott didn't need Nike to get a million dollars in pre-orders for this watch band. That's pretty impressive." Yeah. The second thing that happened was uh, it was actually in '06 Amazon launched Fulfillment by Amazon, where in you know at the beginning it wasn't really that big a deal, but by '09 they were shipping, I, I think, just as many goods from third parties as they were shipping from their own. And so it really democratized, or it was like a, a democratization effort for third-party logistics and and really upped this, this concept of um, having access to a third-party logistics network, even if you weren't a billion-dollar company. Where prior to that, most of the people who would do third-party logistics, they were just focused on the high-volume producers. Um, the other thing was Etsy came out. And so all of a sudden, there was a marketplace for smaller more considered smaller volume more considered uh, product purchases and shopify came out and then the the last thing that happened was that social media really democratized advertising um, because now you could really build community and reach out to these hyper niche uh, groups of people that were passionate about very specific products that Back when I started in two thousand two, it really wasn't feasible to um, address a, a micro niche like that profitably, especially for a Fortune five hundred company, because there was no way to reach those people and, and get feedback like there is today. And so, with all of those trends, we decided, okay, let's transition from working on new product development with Fortune five hundred companies to uh, let's let's make a a tool or a pl- software platform for smaller businesses to be able to innovate and come up with their own products.
1: Okay. So I I noticed the Kickstarter from 2014, uh, from your company that sought to raise like $50,000 and it raised about $650,000. So, you know, talk a little bit about, um, expectations versus what happened. And and that must've been an explosive time for the company.
0: Yeah, that was an exciting time. Uh, you know, we, we had worked on uh, a prototype for a new machine and, uh, we had been working on the easel software and that project was the first one where there there was a real tight integration between what you could do with easel and the machine. And we, we were really just trying to understand how, uh, how much demand was there out there for this? Um, you know, did other people, uh, believe that this was a big problem for them before we went and invested in a ton of inventory, you know, to find out that like nobody really wanted it. Right. Yeah. It was, I think at that, at that moment, that was the biggest Kickstarter in Chicago. Um, I think in the history, maybe not, maybe not the history, but definitely for our category and and definitely for that year.
1: So there is certainly a a push in Chicago um, to have, Chicago be a real tech hub, and you know you started, you know, almost twenty years ago, really, and you stayed in Chicago. What is it? What has it been about Chicago that's made it a, a great place to be a, a center for your company?
0: Yeah. Um, so one is like, we're doing digital manufacturing, and being in the center of the country is super helpful for that. Um, one thing I was talking to one of my buddies who lives in a smaller city. You know, having O'Hare Airport here, you can have a direct flight to pretty much anywhere every day. In some cities, multiple, like almost every hour, right? So, you know, you're two hours from New York, you're four hours from California, from San Francisco. And our customers are global. Like we have customers in basically every English-speaking country and evenly distributed all over the country. So... um, that's been it, it, that's just been a huge advantage to being here um because it's easily it's, it's very easy to get to everywhere also um chicago and the midwest specifically is where a lot of the manufacturing is done and so um for for us it, it's been a, it's been a great home
1: where do, you, where do you see digital manufacturing going i mean this was certainly a, a unique marketplace uh who, who are who would be your competitors and and you know, how, what are you looking down the road as maybe the next thing that uh, Inventables and yourself can, can take advantage of?
0: Yeah. So what I see happening in digital manufacturing is the same thing that happened with desktop publishing. So if you think about, uh, you know, two-dimensional printing or paper printing in the late 70s and, and early 80s, it was done on massive, uh, expensive machines only uh, in, in the biggest printing companies the concept of like a a desktop printer really didn't exist until um, the, until the mid eighties. And so the same thing is happening with um, digital manufacturing where the concept of uh, a desktop uh, digital manufacturing machine didn't really exist 20 years, definitely 20 years ago. Right. Um, But even 10 years ago, the, but now you see a proliferation of the 3D printers, you see a, pr- a proliferation of laser cutters, you see a proliferation of 3D carving machines. Um, you're starting to see a proliferation of uh, robots that can do unloading and reloading. Right. I think it's super early, right? If you looked at like the Apple image writer with the um, the tracks, you remember the paper that had the, tr- I'm probably showing my age here. <laughs> I'm, I'm right with you. Okay. Um, You know, that's kind of where we're at in in terms of the evolution. Um, I I don't know that, like, inkjet or laserjet has really come out yet. Um, But every year we're seeing better and better technology. And because of YouTube and the internet and uh, the ability for us to, like, put easel online, we're we're getting, I I believe, the adoption curve is happening faster. Where, um, you know, it took a long time, probably 20 or 30 years, to get from that image writer to what we have today. Um, but I, I think for this stuff, this kind of stuff, it's, it's definitely happening faster.
1: So in addition to, to carving, can you uh, maybe add ma- material on top of material and, and add color and that sort of thing um, with the, uh, the uh, machines that you have? Not on the machines that we have, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of stuff uh, was more prevalent in the next ten years okay so you uh, we mentioned we mentioned M hub yeah. um, and some of your other because you talked about um, get the engineering first you can work on the business but you've, you've kind of done both um, what talk about the role that, that venture capitals uh, venture capitalists have in Chicago and, and maybe M hub specifically but maybe in general uh, it seems like there are more VCs that are that are centered specifically around Chicago and around manufacturing. Where does it, where does that talk a little about that landscape?
0: Yeah. The landscape has definitely grown um, since I started. I, when I started, there were very, very few venture capitalists, um, almost none focused on the seed and early stage. You know, maybe there was a couple of angels today. It's a vibrant ecosystem um, and you know, there's multiple people you can go pitch, there's multiple, there's Techstars, there's mHub, there's, there's tons of places you can go and get and connect with mentors and resources. There's been multiple uh, multi-billion dollar exits that people have had. So it's created uh, a new generation of angels and founders. So I, I would say that Chicago has uh, definitely evolved and grown um, in the timeframe since I've started. And it's it's a much easier place to start a company and get access to capital than it was 20 years ago. Um, but at the same time, I'd say that the other cities have as well. I think it's not, it's not just Chicago. I think across the country and really probably across the world, access to capital has increased. And one of the reasons is because of Sarbanes-Oxley. They, when they made it harder for companies to go public had a trickle down effect of, and also the comp combined with the low interest rates that we've seen for the last um, number of years, people who needed growth had a trickle like the money for the VCs, investors like the LPs, into other areas, and that, and that just flooded the whole marketplace with more capital to start companies.
1: So talk about the role that you play in that because you certainly play, um, you know, much bigger role. In um, the ecosystem, than just being a CC, uh, CEO of a you know of a fledgling company.
0: Yeah, so with CoreZone, um I was doing angel investing myself, and uh, Sam Yegan, who's my partner, w- was doing some angel investing, and we we decided to like team up because there were deals where um, you know if it was just my money or just Sam's money, maybe we'd pass, but if we had a, a small pool of money, we we could take a little bit more risk, and so. In fund one, it was uh, a group of friends that um, essentially pooled our money and then in fund two, uh, Sam raised about forty million bucks for uh, for fund two and uh, Steve Farsh, who's my other partner uh, joined him as a managing partner of the fund and today we've got uh, five folks in the in the fund and um, we're doing seed and early stage deals I my, my full-time job is inventable. So I became a venture partner for fun too. The, the premise of why I got started in the first place was like, people are always sending me deals, whether they're entrepreneurs or investors asking questions. And so, um, and, and Sam was getting the same kind of experience. And so, you know, regardless of uh, if we had a fund or not, we were constantly be, get, being sent new opportunities. And so it was just an opportunity a way to, um, take advantage of of the deal flow and so um, my role in venture partner is really twofold one is sharing deal flow with um, the guys who are doing it full-time and then uh, two, helping the portfolio you know as as CEOs have questions and need connections to whoever um, you know making those
1: connections so are there um, companies that you've you've helped um, move along the way that that uh, folks may have heard of yeah
0: um well i i don't know if they if they've heard of them but um i actually did we we invested in a, a metal 3d printing company and um they've got some really interesting technology they're actually based out in san francisco and um we were part of the the seed round and they just um closed a, a new round of funding from a, a brand name Silicon Valley fund called foundation capital. So that was pretty exciting.
1: Well, I want to kind of close with a couple things. One, um, if, um, there are small businesses or you want to learn about inventables, uh, how do people go about doing that?
0: Yeah, you can hop on inventables.com and you can learn all about, um, our machines and our software. You can go to easel.com and check out, um, the software, you can actually check it out for free and you can create an account. Um, if you have more questions, you want to talk to somebody, you can give us a call Monday through Friday at
1: uh, 312-775-7009. And so what's next for Zach Kaplan? I mean, is continue with Inventables or there's, is, are you thinking about what the next thing might be uh, both within and out of this company? yeah so we just announced
0: um that we raised eleven million dollars and we're going to be using that money to uh invest heavily in our easel software platform and um, we announced that we're going to be uh allowing it to work with not just our machines but all other machines that uh, do 3 d
1: carving well, that's very exciting um, We appreciate you taking the time uh, and Definitely keep us informed about things that are happening with Inventables and in the, uh, um, in the space in Chicago. And uh, we look forward to uh, learning more about it down the road. Awesome. Thanks. Zach Kaplan has been our guest. This has been another edition of Illinois Innovators. I'm your host, Mike Kuhn. Illinois Innovators is a production of Engineering at Illinois. All rights reserved. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Engineering at Illinois.